It's always good to hear the choir, isn't it? Let's give the choir a big hand one more time. So how y'all liking that weather out there? Can I tell you a fat man's two best friends? Cooler weather and elastic. <laughs> and I'm enjoying both right now. Amen. All right. Good to see y'all in church this morning. And um, Pastor Andy, uh, we were cutting up a little bit earlier in the service, if you can imagine that. And uh, uh, right before service begins, Pastor Andy does announcements, and I try to help him keep everybody's uh, attention on him. And I'm pretty good at that, aren't I? Because if you don't listen to him, I just kind of yell at you out there. And Pastor Andy, at the end of that, was in just welcoming all the guests. And I told him, I said, man, if there's anybody here visiting right now, they're pretty scared. They're pretty scared. But we're all happy you're here. And um, I just want to tell you how much I love you and just thank God for you. Just... Uh, so excited about our church and what God's doing in our church and um, recently have had the chance to spend some time with pastors and, and other church leaders from other churches and some one-on-one -on -one time with pastors. And uh, I just want to say to you how much I appreciate your heart and the way you think, your mindset here at this church. Uh, vision is important. Vision is very important. We're going to talk about it today. But you know what? If there's not a mindset in that church that supports the vision, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. And the thing I love about this church is that not only do you have a vision, but you have a mindset that supports the implementation and execution of that vision. And I just wanted to say to you how much I appreciate you and appreciate that about you. One of the primary things that, at this church that I love and appreciate is your willingness to change, your willingness to change and do things differently. Now, our message never changes. The message is still that Bible you're holding in your hand out there, and that'll never change. But methods and ways of doing things change to make us more effective in the world that we live in, more effective in getting the message that's in that Bible to the people who so desperately need it. And I, I, know, I know organizations and churches uh, that just simply will not change uh, and do things differently, and they quickly become irrelevant. They quickly become irrelevant. And see, the thing that you need to understand is what people did 50 years ago that some of us don't want to leave and, and change from that, they actually had to change 50 years ago because it was different then than it was 50 years before them. And so, and so it's not the message, but it's the methods. So what I wanted to say to you today was just how much I appreciate you and um, your willingness to do that. We're in a series of messages. Actually, the title of the series is our vision statement, which is giving life by giving Christ. And I'd like for everybody to say that with me, giving life by giving Christ. Stories are coming in at an amazing rate, I'm telling you, amazing how God is just using you in this community to give life to people. I'm getting emails, people are telling me about other stories. Uh, Pastor Jimmy walked up to me this morning and told me about a lady who uh, was trying to help this family who had a lot of damage during the hurricane, and she kind of felt like God told her to take that family on as a project, and, and she was trying to help them fix their house up and get their house uh, uh, back in order, and, and she said she ran out of money and kind of ran out of resources, and she was really discouraged about that, and she had been praying for God to help her get what she needed to finish fixing that house, and and um, we didn't know this lady. Nobody from our church knew this lady, I don't think. And, and we didn't know what she was doing or what was going on there. But she went to, uh, I believe, Bojangles. Amen. And uh, she was in line, and she was getting her food. And when she got to the register, um, her food had been paid for, and all that was there was the little card that said, Just Because. And she called the church and said, that's all I needed to keep on going and finish what God had put in my heart to do. Can we just praise God? See, that's giving life right there. 
That's giving life. And I believe if you'll take those little cards and pray, God will kind of show you who needs that little card the most. And you might not get your story on earth. You might not get your story till you get to heaven. Somebody walks up and goes, you know what? I didn't know the Lord. Didn't care about church. Thought church was a bunch of hypocrites. And I got a little card. And, and since I've gotten to heaven, it's been revealed to me that you were the one that left that little card. And I wanted to come up and say thank you because it made me give church one more try. And I found Jesus. Do you believe God works like that? Hey, let me tell you another one. We had a lady in our church whose car, um, I can't remember if she was in a wreck or anyway, it must have been in a wreck or it got bent up or something. And, and uh, the part that she had to pay apart from the insurance was $1,500. She had to pay $1,500. And when she went to pick her car up this week, the, the guy gave her the bill, but it was paid in full and it had a just because card with it. Now that's just because action right there, brother. <laughs> a single mom with a child in college, isn't that awesome? We, I have no idea who did it. We don't have any idea who did it. But I live at 415 Kingston Circle. <laughs> I just want to let you know that. Give life, guys. You, you know, I can't give $1,500. You probably can't give $1,500. But you know what they said about the lady who dropped her little mite in the bucket? She gave more than everybody else. Because, see, it's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. It's equal sacrifice. See, you giving $50 might be a way bigger sacrifice for you than the guy who gave the $1,500 to have the lady's car fixed. So it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. In this sermon series, what we're doing is clarifying the vision, which is very, very important. You need to know where this church is going. You need to know what we believe God has put in our heart, the kind of church God wants this church to be. And so we're clarifying that for you. I mean, it's one thing to have giving life by giving Christ. I mean, that's great. We can put it up there. Hey, it is up there. We can put it there. Hey, it is there. We can put it in your worship program. Hey, it is in your worship program. We can put it on documents. We can put it on the letterhead. We can put it in a sign out in front of the church. We can put it on the website. And we can put a vision statement in a lot of different places. But guys, if again, if we don't have the mindset to support that vision, all it is is fancy words on a, on a piece of paper. And so we're clarifying what it means to be a life-giving church. One of the first people I ever heard say this was uh, Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley pastors North Point Church and um, Community Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. And Andy Stanley said, you have to define as a leader, you have to define what does a win look like. He said, a lot of times you tell your congregation or you tell the team you're leading or you tell people you're leading what we want to do, but what does it look like when we've done it? What does a win look like? I mean, in football, you know, uh, you have, maybe haven't won the game, but you know what a win is when you cross the line into the end zone. And Carolina, y'all are doing way better than I thought you would. I'm telling you, let's just give it up for Carolina today. appreciate how weak that was. I really appreciate the anemic applause right there. That was awesome. God bless you. Um, uh, you know, in NC State, I was trying to help the congregation understand earlier that NC State's all about generosity because we gave our best player to another team because we're about the kingdom of football. We're not about NC State. We're about the whole kingdom. Are y'all with me on this? Do you see how we are like Jesus? Okay. <clears throat> so that don't fly? That don't fly? Okay. All right. Well, I thought I'd try. Uh, but we believe God's called us to be a life-giving church. So, so what is a life-giving church? What is that? 
Let's look, we have looked very closely at our vision statement. Let's look real quickly at our mission statement. Let's look at our mission statement this morning. Our mission statement is broken up into four particular words. If you came to the vision gathering dinners last week, you heard us go over this, but I wanna go over it very quickly with you today because we have to ask ourselves, what is the mission of our church? Well, here's the mission. Let me go through this quickly. Number one, belong. We want people who come into this church and people who encounter us outside this church, we want them to know that even though they haven't believed yet, even though they might not believe the Bible's true or even believe in God or Jesus, we want them to know that they belong here as they discover who he is. Do you agree with that? Do you know churches that really you, and, and look, I got to tell you, I've pastored churches like that. I've been the pastor and I thought we were doing the right thing. And matter of fact, I've pastored this church like that. I've been here 21 years. So I've pastored this church like that a little bit is we kind of want you to get fixed before you get here. You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Not here, guys. Not here at Whitley Church. We want people to walk in and go, I'm skeptical, I don't know if I believe, but I kind of heard about this church or I got one of those little just because cards or whatever, and I'm gonna go check them out. And if they walk in here in, an, in, in the beginning of their journey to find Jesus and they find a lot of snobby people, they're not gonna go further and give God a chance. See, you're the only Jesus they know right now. You ever heard that old song? Millie used to sing that when I was traveling around. I used to be a traveling preacher and Millie was the singer and we traveled all over the Eastern United States and did about 44 revival meetings a year for about three and a half years. And um, um, we, one of the things that we kept running into uh, was this whole thing of, of you don't belong here until you're like us, until you're like the cookie cutter Christian. And so we're different here. We're different. Our church is a hospital. Amen? Our church is a hospital. Our church is not a club for Christians. It is a hospital. Now, can Christians get what they need here? Yes, yeah, sure. We're going to preach and teach and do discipleship, and, and we're going to help you uh, serve. And that goes back to, go back to the slide, guys, if you will, uh, on the mission statement slide. If we could get that back up there, mission statement of the uh, church. Thank you so much. And just leave it right there, guys, if you don't mind. Uh, so we're going to, we're belonging. And then number two, we want them to not just come in and find a friendly church. We want to connect them to Jesus. As a matter of fact, in showing love, we really have a, an ultimate motive, and that is not to just show them love, but to get them to somebody who will love them like they've never been loved. Hello. Amen. Amen. Y'all with me? So we want people to commit to Jesus Christ. You say, well, I want to join this church. Well, you can join this church, but that isn't going to help you really as far as being a Christian. It is your commitment to Jesus. You say, well, I'm going to commit in this giving life thing and I'm going to give some money. And I want to help the church out. Hey, thank you so much. God bless you. We appreciate it. But that isn't going to help you be right with God. How you get right with God is not making a commitment to the church but making a commitment to the Jesus of the church. Amen, amen. So, so co belong, commit, and then grow. We want people to get discipled because it isn't enough just to help them be loved up there, belong. It isn't enough to help them commit to Jesus Christ. You gotta help them get their roots down. They gotta get their roots down. Um, Jeremiah 17, verses seven and eight, and don't, Go there because we don't have time. But write that down in your notes. Because Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 talks about that. It talks about getting your roots down by the river of life so that when drought comes and when the storms come and all of that, you don't get blown over. That's what discipleship is. Us helping you get your roots down so you can stand during the drought. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, it says that if you've got your roots down deep enough, when drought comes, you won't feel it. 
It says if you got your roots down deep enough, when drought and heat comes, you will keep on bearing fruit while others stop bearing fruit because they have such a shallow root system. Anybody hearing me this morning? All right, so that's what growth is about in discipleship. And then finally, serve. And we've already talked about that in the sermon series because we talked about how it isn't enough It isn't enough to say, I have faith in God. I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because James said, one of the ways you show your faith and you show that you're a child of God is by serving. Now, I'm going to tell you what James said. And if you're going to get upset, don't get upset with me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. James says, if you tell me you're a Christian, but you don't ever serve anybody, he said, I have every right to question whether you really know Jesus. He said, because faith without works is dead. That's what he said. So right there is our mission statement. Belong, commit, grow, and serve. Let's go to John 10. 10, we've been saying this verse every weekend. You ought to have memorized it by now. Jesus tells us what his mission was. He tells us what his purpose was when his body was on this earth. Now he's gone to heaven and we are his body. So whatever his mission was when he was here is what our mission is now, is what our vision for ministry should be now. So John 10.10 says, my purpose, my mission in coming is to give life in all its fullness. And of course, we talked about that word fullness. And that is a kind of life that is only offered by a Bible-believing church. The only institution, there's a, there's a new little book out. Somebody gave me a copy of it a couple of weeks ago by Jim Cimbala. You ever heard of Jim Cimbala? Uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir? Heard of them? Well, that's the pastor, and his wife leads that choir. And Jim Cimbala wrote this little book called The Church God Blesses. The Church God Blesses. It's an awesome little book. You can read it in a day. And, and he talks about in there uh, uh, that, that God looks for certain criteria that he would pour himself into that church. And so he, what, we, what we see here is that God says the purpose of his purpose and the purpose of the body of Christ is to give life. And so I believe, this is what I believe. I believe that if we obey John 10, 10, and we give life the way Jesus gave life, that Jesus, God, the head of the church, Jesus Christ, will bless when we get in on his plan. You know what churches do a lot of times? We come up with a plan, and then we want God to bless our plan. What we have done, I believe, in our time of prayer, is we have found God's plan, and we're saying, God, we want to get in on what you're doing. Y'all with me? And when you get in on what God's doing, he's already blessing that. So you just kind of come up under the blessing. It isn't like he looks at you and goes, oh, since you're going to do that, I'm going to bless you. When you start obeying him, the blessings were already coming down. And when you come up under that obedience and start doing what he said, then all of those blessings start raining on you. So God is going to bless us if we obey him. I believe by giving life, we are obeying him. We believe God's called us to this. You don't hear me say this very often, but I'm going to say it about this. We believe God has spoken to us about this. We believe God has spoken first through the pastor, then through the staff, then through the church board and the ministry directors. The leadership team of your church believes in this. We believe God has spoken this to our church, Whitley Church, The Bridge. You are to be a life-giving church. I also believe that God is saying to us that when we accept that role as a life-giving church, we will grow in that. What we think is life-giving now will be life-giving in the future, but we don't even know yet the the ways he's going to use this church to be life-giving. He's going to show us ways to be life-giving. There are some things in the heart of our staff that they come to me with that God has put in the heart of the staff that that we are to do in this community. Uh, There was a scripture, there's a scripture in the Bible, I can't remember where it is right now, 
But Jesus, Jesus said, or one of the writers in the New Testament said, I can't even tell you everything right now because you can't bear it. You remember reading that somewhere in the Bible? Jesus said, if I dump the whole load on you, 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 you know, you'd probably pass out. You know? He said, I can't tell you everything. And, and I got to tell you, there are some things in the heart of our staff. I kind of feel like that today. If I were to tell you what's in the heart of our staff, what we're talking about doing in this county and what we're talking about doing in this city over the next few months and years, guys, I'm telling you, it's unprecedented. It's unprecedented in this area. And, and we feel God calling. And we've tried to say, well, maybe it's us, you know, so we back off. And he reaches in there and pulls us back. That's how you know. When, when, you, when you sense God saying something to you and you keep trying to get away from it and he won't let you get away from it, you might as well say yes. And God's doing that with us. And we don't know where the money's going to come from to do it. We just know he won't leave us alone. Do y'all understand God's got all the money we need? Y'all understand that? Do y'all understand God isn't going to call you to do something then back off and go, good luck. If he called you to do something and you're willing, you remember that scene in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, all you old people? You remember that scene where he's stepping out and the bridge doesn't appear until he puts his foot out? Or, you know, how many of y'all remember that scene? A bunch of old people here today. And so, so when he put his foot out, then the bridge appeared. Then the way appeared. And, and I think God said to us, just go ahead and do it. Start talking to people, meeting with people. So we've been having some meetings. And we've been talking to some people. And uh, we're going to take some trips and observe some other churches who are doing some of this stuff. And I'm telling you, if you, if you'll hear the word of the Lord today, what I'm saying to you is not something to just motivate you and get you all fired up. I'm telling you, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And we'll be sharing more details about that with you um, later. Um, if, if we're called to give life, though, I need to know what that looks like. What does it look like to give life? So we're doing a series called 10 Qualities of a Life-Giving Church. 10 Qualities of a Life-Giving Church. Let's go through the qualities we've already talked about, and then we'll just cover one today. The first quality is, if you're a life-giving church, then you have a mission mentality. You don't wake up every morning and it's about you. You wake up every morning and it's about being on mission to help others and bless others and get the message of Jesus out. You wake up every morning knowing you're an ambassador of Christ that day. Then the next day, guess what you are? An ambassador of Christ that day. Let's face it, most Christians do the Christian thing on Sunday. And if they really love Jesus, they do it on Wednesday night too. And, and that's about what a lot of Christians are related to and maybe do a vacation Bible school. Listen, you have to understand, this is a different mentality than that. This is a, I wake up every morning saying, yes, sir, I'm ready to serve today. I'm going to my job. I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to the post office. I'm going to the grocery store. But God, as I go into the world, as a matter of fact, if you study the scripture that says, go you into all the world, if you study that scripture and study the original Greek language, it really doesn't say go ye into all the world. You know what it says? As you go. The original Greek is as you go into the world. So that means as we go about our daily lives, as we go through the routine of a day, we're on mission. We're on mission all the time. You go to the post office, you be ready. Say, good morning. Hey, how's everybody? How's everybody? If you see somebody that needs some ministry, you be ready to minister. You hear me? That's what a life-giving church does. Look at the next one. Second quality is we understand that it's a lifestyle mentality, and that means it is how you think, how you live. It is about doing. It is not just about learning the Word of God, but doing the Word of God. Where he talked about that. Go to the third one. The third quality of a life-giving church is that we want to help you uh, learn your spiritual gifts and use them. A spiritual gifts mentality is a, is a, is a mindset of a, of a life-giving Christian, a life-giving church. The fourth quality, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, last week was missionary weekend, and that was a great, great weekend last week, wasn't it? Wonderful weekend, meeting all the missionaries, meeting with them. And so this, this uh, a couple of weeks ago, we said that a life-giving church, they're good stewards or good managers of the resources God has put in their hand. 
the money that comes into this church doesn't belong to Farrell Hardison, doesn't belong to the deacon board, doesn't belong to the staff. The money that comes into this church is to be used to be as effective in proclaiming the gospel here in America and around the world as we can possibly be. And so we're good stewards. We're to be good managers of the resources God puts in our hand. I gotta tell you something, man. I, I had a pastor and his wife who were friends of mine and the, the church had a graveyard next to the church. You know, that's, that's a tradition that a lot of churches had a, had a graveyard next to the church. And so the church was, was supposed to make certain contributions to the denomination that they were in so that denomination could plant other churches and reach out to missions. So what they would do is they would take up offerings and they would put money in the graveyard fund for the maintenance of the graveyard. Are y'all with me on this? There was over $500,000 in the graveyard fund so they could hide their money so they wouldn't have to tithe on it. Is God gonna bless that? I remember the pastor's wife stood up on their last Sunday and told him she loved him. She said, but I gotta tell y'all something. The dead live better than anybody else around here. She said, I'm dead. And so that was her parting words. Okay, so that wasn't me, that wasn't Millie, uh, but it was somebody we knew. And we don't hide our money. As a matter of fact, you can see how we spend our money. You say, well, where is that? I won't say how we spend Hanging on the bulletin board right out there in the hall. Because we have nothing to hide in this church. Nothing to hide. You say, well, I'm not a member. I'm not a member. You, you say, I, I want to I, I wanna see what the books look like. I'm just coming here. I haven't joined the church. I'm not an owner. That's what we say here is ownership. So I'm not an owner. Uh, can I see the books too? You know what the answer to that is? Yes, you can see the books. Now we're not gonna show you who gives what. I don't even know that. I don't wanna know that. Cause I wanna look at you, cause I know human nature. Can I be vulnerable and open here with you? Human nature is if a guy gave $100,000 to the church last year and another guy gave $1,000 to the church last year, you know, I might feel like I got to go over there and be with that $100,000 guy a whole lot and be real, be real buddy up with him. I don't want to know what he gave. I don't want to know what anybody gave because when I walk in the door, I want to see everybody the same. Amen, amen? Now, I've got some friends, pastors and church leaders and denominational leaders that think I'm a nutcase for that. But you know what? It ain't any of my business, really. It's not any of my business what you give. <clears throat> Ain't none of your business what I give either. You know who I got answer to? I got answer to him. I don't have to answer you, you don't have to answer to me. It's good preaching right there. So what are we gonna talk about today? Oh, I don't know, let's see, number five. The fifth quality of a life-giving Christian which creates a life-giving church is that we believe that the Christian life is best lived in the context of a church family. So a church family mentality. Can I just say this? Listen, listen, listen. The Christian life, you can't find it in the Bible. You cannot find anywhere in the Bible that God teaches that it's okay to live your Christian life in isolation. I know these people say, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I didn't say you had to go to church to be a Christian. You also don't have to go to the grocery store to get your food. You can get up every morning and go squirrel hunting. <laughs> but that's hard. That's hard to get food like that. <laughs> Me and Millie Mitch would be a lot smaller if I had to get food like that. Millie's not feeling well today. She's watching online, so I'll catch it when I get home. But, but, it's just easier to be a Christian if you go to church. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, that sounds rebellious to me right there. Amen. They're not here. Let's talk about them. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let's rip them up, baby. <laughs> so the Christian life is not to be lived in isolation. Listen, listen, listen. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Amen. 
God means for the Christian life to be lived in harmony with other believers. I didn't say unity. I don't even want to go to a church that's got unity. <laughs> That'll probably be easy to find, won't it? Here's what I mean by that. Have you ever heard, how many of y'all like good quartet music? Good quartet music. You can admit it. It's okay. I know we don't have that here, but you, I like that. I like good quartet music. I, I, I heard a quartet one time, though, all of them got up and had on the same suit, you know. And they all sang the same part. They didn't know tenor. They didn't know bass. All four of them sang lead. Well, it wasn't terrible. But it was like eating cornflakes with no sugar in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then I hear quartets that have a tenor. You know? God will handle it. You know? See? Y'all better laugh at that stuff or I'll keep singing. <laughs> so you got a tenor, and you got a bass, you got a baritone, and you got a lead singer, and they can sing. I mean, they can really sing. I mean, they can really stay on their note. They are singing the same song, but they're all singing something different. But it blends, and buddy, is that awesome. Isn't that great? That's what the church is. God says to the church, you're all different. You're all unique. He says, I mean, if you go out in the parking lot, there are no two cars alike. You look at all of us, there are no two people dressed exactly alike today. We, we, we do things different. We have different ideas. Our homes look different. Our homes are decorated different. We like different colors. We, we're different. We're unique, but we all know the same Jesus, and he is in our heart. And so God takes all those differences and all those I don't even know if this is a word, so I'm going to make up a word today. Uniquenesses. And God blends them together under the blanket of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, it is a beautiful thing to behold. That's how God meant the church to function. That's why churches split. Because people say, you got to think like I think. You got to have the same idea I have. You got to see that the exact same way I see that. Or we can't have any kind of fellowship. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get my little group over here who agrees with me. And, and they'll, I'm going to get my little group over here who agrees with me. And all of a sudden, you've got a church split that is a detriment to the testimony of the church in the community. Because people hear about us when we fight. And we're the excuse of sinners. And, and, and le, instead of us leading Christ, people to Christ, we become an excuse for them to say, that's what I'm talking about right there. Amen? So God wants us to live together in harmony. Now, a lot of us don't like this next thing I'm going to say, but he likes us to live together in accountability. When I'm drifting off out there, I need you to come get me. You say, Pastor, do you drift prone to wander? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We like sheep have. God said in Isaiah, we are like and sheep go. It's our nature. It's not our nature to go to God. It's our nature to go with the flow. It's our nature to go with the current. So that's why we need church. I'm telling you, that's one of the major reasons we need church. Because when I drift off, I need you to go get me. And in my 21 years as the pastor of this church, can I be honest and vulnerable right here before you today? I've drifted off and, the, and people have had to come get me. Some of you all have drifted off and we've had to go get you. Not that you left the church, but spiritually and in your mentality and in your thinking and in your attitude, you drifted off. We had to go get you, and we had to hold you accountable. I've been held accountable. I've been called in. Thank God I've been called in. I hate to think where I'd be today if the deacons and, and the leaders of this church from time to time had not said, Pastor, what's up with that, man? What's up with that attitude? What's up with that behavior? What's up with those words? See, I'm a human being just like you are, guys. I want to get revenge sometimes. I want to, I want to you know, I, I, I battle with all those things just like you do. Y'all look real holy right now, I'm telling you. 
And I have friends in my life, not just the church board and the staff, but I have personal friends in my life who know me like a book. And when I'm getting off the rails and when I'm getting off track, they call me, man. They send me a text. They send me a Facebook message. They send me an email. Hey, hey, dude, what's up? What's up with that? Uh, I heard you say something today, and it just doesn't sound like you. Thank God for that. If you got somebody in your life right now and you're rebelling and they're trying to pull you in, don't fight them. Don't fight them. That's like somebody drowning in the deep end of a pool and, and, uh, and your friend's holding that pole or, or, or throwing that life deal floating thing to you. And you're like, I don't want that. I don't want that. They're trying to save you. They're trying to rescue you. You have to be available. You have to be open. You have to be vulnerable. In the church, we're to live in close fellowship with each other. Now, you're not to cut off all your ties with unbelievers. As a matter of fact, you ought to have ties with unbelievers. But what we do have a tendency to do is we have a tendency, the longer we are Christian, the, the more all of our friends are Christians. And God doesn't really want that. God wants you to be strong, and he wants you to be with other Christians in fellowship, but he wants you to have relationships with people who need him as well. Don't you have this holier-than-thou mentality? You know why you don't need to have a holier-than-thou mentality? Because you ain't holier-than-thou. That's why. I know, y'all. Neither am I. And let me say this. He wants you to live in close fellowship. Now, now, there's going to be people in your life, God's going to put in your life that you, you need to just, you need to just uh, open up to them. Not everybody. Not everybody. You can't be totally vulnerable with everybody, but God's going to put some people in your life, and you're going to know who those people are. And you say, well, I thought I had a friend one time, and man, they cut me down and hurt my feelings. Boy, I hold everything in now. I don't trust anybody. Listen, join the I Got Hurt Club, because I'm in that club too. I think we're all in that club. Matter of fact, I'm not only in the I Got Hurt Club, I'm also in the I Hurt Somebody Club. I've hurt people too. I've not only been hurt, I've hurt people. How many of you know hurt people hurt people? <clears throat> so I've got I've to be in close relationship with people, and I've got to open myself up enough that I let them in on my struggles. I let them in on my temptations. And I say, look, this is an area where I'm really tempted. This is an area where I really struggle. And I open up, and, and then, then that way they're able to see that in me. You can't do it with everybody. I understand that. But you need, you need some people in your life. You say, well, it's my wife. No, not usually, because you really don't want her to tell you the truth. Guys really need a guy. And, and gal, I'm not saying your wife won't hold you accountable, and I'm not saying your husband can't hold you accountable, but most of the time, you really need somebody outside that relationship, because as spouses, we tend to protect each other and say what each other needs to hear and wants to hear and that kind of thing. So, so you guys need a guy, and you gals need a girl to, to, that you talk to and you're honest with. You say, well, I don't have that person. I don't know who that is. Well, pray for it. Pray for it, okay? And be open to it. And God says all of this that I just talked about, the harmony, the accountability, the fellowship, the close relationship, he said it's to be lived within a community of believers, and to me, that community of believers, according to the Bible, is the church, church. Every football player needs a team. Every football player needs a team. Every soldier needs a platoon. Every oboe player. Have you ever heard somebody go, we're going to have a solo by the oboe? How, how many times have you ever heard that in your life? I've never heard that. You've heard that? I've never heard a so oboe solo. I don't know what that would sound like. But I do know an oboe sounds a whole lot better if it is in the middle of a orchestra. The oboe needs an orchestra. The surgeon needs a hospital. He needs a surgical team. He needs nurses. He needs people to help him. He needs an anesthetist. <laughs> Anesthesiologist. I don't know what the difference is, but they put people to sleep. It's kind of the same thing I do. 
and Christians need a church. You say, well, it don't have to be this church. How many times have I said that? Hundreds of times. It don't have to be this church. You say, well, I want a smaller church, a more traditional church. Tons of those to choose from. Tons of them in our community. Powerful churches. Great preachers and pastors. Great leaders. Just because a church is small doesn't mean they don't have awesome preaching. Doesn't mean they don't have awesome ministry going on in that church. I'm not trying to run anybody off. I hope everybody will stay. But if you're not happy here, don't quit us and not go to church. Go somewhere and get fed, get in connection with other Christians. Amen, amen. Somebody said a Christian without a church family is an orphan. It's like an orphan. I love what Dr. Adrian Rogers said. He's in heaven now. He said, I believe if you're a Christian, you're going to love what Jesus loved. He said, and I believe Jesus loved the church. Amen? Y'all with me? I offer no apology for saying this. Every Christian needs to be a part of a local church. I heard a fella not long ago, and I, and I just have to preach this. I just have to say this today. Most people that I run into who say they're Christians but they don't go to church, most of them have a spiritual elitist attitude. Do you know what a spiritual elitist attitude is? Is I am so spiritual there is no church spiritual enough for me. Hey, don't point. But they're probably not here today. But I heard a person say, I was trying to make that point. He said, well, I'm a part of the invisible church. And boy, you know my mind. I said, dude, I got some questions for you. Who's going to put an arm around you when you're walking through a valley? Some invisible Christian? Who's going to minister to you when you're sick? Who's going to reach out and pull you back when you drift away from God? Who's going to give you godly counsel when you're trying to make a very difficult decision? Who's going to offer a listening ear when you struggle at home with your children and in your marriage and with your finances and career? Who's going to offer a listening, a listening ear when you don't have any answers? Who's going to provide help for you when the bottom falls out financially? Who's going to hold you accountable when you make bad decisions? The church does that, guys. That's why we're here. That's why the church exists. Did you know that in the New Testament, there are 58 commandments that have in them this words, these two words, one another, one another. They're commandments. Love one another, forgive one another, cast your cares upon one another, admit your sins to one another. I mean, there's 58 of those in the New Testament. Can I ask you a question? How do we fulfill those commandments if we're not in a church? How do you do anything with one another if you're not a part of another? So the life-giving vision, giving life by giving Christ, the mission statement that we went over earlier is strongly committed to God's plan that every believer is to be deeply committed to a local church body. We believe that. I'm telling you, don't come up after this service and debate this with me. I'm old and I've made up my mind. Every Christian needs to be in a church. It don't have to be this church. But it's just easier to serve God. It's easier to live in victory if you're in a church. Maybe not all churches, <laughs> but a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Jesus-centered church. There are some things that can only happen in community with other believers, in relationship with other believers. One writer said, as Christians, we're not independent, and we're not codependent. We are interdependent. I need you. I need you. You may not believe it, but you need me. We need each other like flowers need sunshine and rain. 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to put that up on the screen because I want you guys to write that down and look at that when you get home. Now, you have to promise me that you're going to read this when you get home because if I find out you didn't, I'm going to preach it verse by verse next week for an hour, 
all right? So go home and read that. I almost wanted to go through that scripture today, but we don't have time. So 1 Corinthians 12 teaches us that when we accepted Christ, we became a part of a body. And we cannot become all God wants us to be until we're a part of that local church body, I believe. Now let me just give you some final thoughts, and then I want to talk about this coming weekend and the next weekend. In this church, we're trying to balance between two exact opposites. Because i got to tell you all, when I was working on this sermon, I remembered that about three weeks ago, I told you guys that you're unique. Nobody else is like you. And then I'm preaching this week that you need other Christians. You need to get connected with other Christians. So that kind of sounds like, am I unique or am I part of a group? The answer to that question is yes. People ask me all the time, or, or, or uh, uh, I, I don't know about y'all, but I love all ki- kinds of ice cream. Do y'all like all kinds of ice cream? I like all kinds of ice cream. It's like, go in, they go, do you want chocolate or vanilla? It's always yes. So the answer to that is yes. Am I an individual or am I part of a community? Yes. You're uniquely an individual all by yourself. There's nobody like you. That's the individuality part. But on the other hand, you need community. You need other people. You need to belong. You need others to become all that God wants you to be. If you don't have others in your life, it's going to be hard for you to be everything God wants you to be. So there's individualism and community. These are two truths that we firmly believe in here at this church. And you need them both if you want to. What did Jesus say in John 10, 10? Live life to the full. Live life to the fullest. Then you need other people, and you need to also understand you are unique. It is like a marriage. You know what attracts you to your wife? No, remind me. Okay, I will. (laughs) What attracts you to your wife are not the sameness of her, but the difference. Viva la différence. That's the only French I know, and it means long live the difference. I mean, if I woke up this morning and looked over there and saw me, oh, <laughs> I looked over there and saw somebody that looked way different than me, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. However, when we were married, we became one. So there is individualism. Millie has gifts and abilities, and she is who she is, and she's who God made her to be. I'm different. I have different abilities and gifts and emphasis in my life, but I love that woman. I love her so much because we are together, and I love being with her, but I also love how she's so different, and that's how the body of Christ is. Thank God we're different We're different. I I, I love that about how God created us. We have self-expression. We are unique. But at the same time, we need each other's love and support. So that is the fifth quality of a life-giving church. Now, I've got a video I want you guys to see at the end of the service today. But I want to talk to you about a couple things. Um. I want to talk to you about next weekend. Next weekend is called Commitment Weekend. So guess what we're going to ask for from you? Awesome. Awesome. Now, how many of you came to the Vision Gathering Dinner? Just wave at me. Okay, a lot of you. So you got this. You got this when you came to the Vision Gathering Dinner this week. Some of you were not able to come, and we want to give you one of these before you go home today. Give you one. So, so we, we really need you to really put your name down when you pick it up because the people who didn't get one, we want to mail them out this week. So the more of those we can give away, we're going to be saving our church some money. So pick, pick one up today if you didn't get one. Now inside this envelope are several items, and I want to go over with you what, what's in here. We have a magazine um, that you're going to look at. And um, if you get a magnifying glass, you can. And um, there's, a, there's a picture of me and Millie and Brandon and Mitch in June of 1990 when we got here. So you got to see that picture, and uh, you'll, see, you'll, you'll see how pretty I was. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And then there's, uh, there's just all kind of good stuff in here. And, um, and what I'm going to do is I've provided you with this DVD of me. 
And there's a couple of songs at the end I just wanted to share. No, there's not any songs, there's any songs. So you pop this DVD in your DVD player, I bet you already knew that part, and then I will walk you through the magazine. I'll walk you through this magazine, okay? Now, next weekend is commitment weekend, okay? Here's what we're asking you to do between now and um, next Sunday, if you're gonna come on Sunday. We got Thursday night at the bridge, Saturday night here, and two Sunday mornings. So whatever service you come to this coming weekend. We want you to pray with your family, and we want you to ask two questions. What can we commit to our church over the next 36 months, that's three years, above what we're currently giving? What can we commit? Now on this DVD, I'm gonna tell you what Millie and I are doing. I'm gonna tell you the amount we're committing because I want you to know we're in it with you. <clears throat> so when you look at this, you will, you will hear me tell you what we're committing over the next three years. Now, we're gonna give ours on a monthly basis, but you can give it on a weekly basis, you can give it on an annual basis over the next three years. And what we're asking you to do is make a faith promise, not a promise of what you know you can do, but a faith promise that says, you know what, God, I feel like you gave me this amount, I don't know where I'm gonna get it, I don't know how I'm gonna get it, I don't know where it's gonna come from, but I feel like that's what you told me to write down that I'm gonna give over the next three years. And God, I'm trusting you that at the end of the three years, I will have met that pledge. Now, Millie and I are gonna give a certain amount every month, but there might be a month where it's really tight and we have to pull back just a little bit, but we are believing that God will help us make it up in another month, and we believe at the end of the, th of the 36 months, at the end of the three years, we will have met our pledge. Does that make sense? The other thing we're asking you to do next week <clears throat> is bring a special offering with you. Because guys, in order to get this building going, in order to get things rolling, we need some seed money. We need a seed offering. So next week, we're gonna ask you to bring your regular tithes and offerings or whatever it is you give. Some of you I know aren't at the tithe level yet, but you're giving and we appreciate everything you're doing. But what we're asking for next week is we're asking for a special offering next weekend above what you usually give, a sacrificial offering. I'm telling you, I'm being honest. We're asking you to do without something and give it to God next week. So you will bring this envelope with you next week and you'll fill out the outside. And on the outside of the envelope, it says my now gift, the now gift. That's the money you're gonna give this coming Sunday. And then under it, you're gonna say, and this is what I'm gonna give each month, and that'll begin in November. Now remember, this doesn't have anything to do with your tithe, what you're currently giving. This is above what you're currently giving, so we can do the things God's called us to do. And you'll hear all about that on the DVD and in the magazine, okay? And then you'll put down here, you'll put down at the end of the three years, here's what I will have given total. And then down at the bottom, you put your name and uh, your phone number. Now, let me just say this. Nobody's gonna call you. If you pledge a certain amount every month and, and we look in the books and that didn't come in, nobody's gonna call you. Nobody's gonna call you at the end of three years and go, you know, you pledged, you know, and you, I mean, you're short. Nobody's gonna do that. We're just asking everybody to get in. And look, let me tell you, we're gonna celebrate two Sundays from today. We're gonna to have Victory Sunday because we're gonna announce all these totals. You're gonna to want to do something so you know you're a part of that. You say, well, I'm not gonna do much. That's fine. Just do what you can. Do what, like the widow's might. She did what she could. Like Mary, when she washed the feet of that, of Jesus, Jesus said she did what she could. Like, um, like the little boy that brought his lunch, and said, Jesus, I know you have to feed all these people, but, and I know you don't have any food, but you can have mine. And Jesus took his, and this is what happens when we're generous, and fed all the people and gave him back 12 basketfuls, baskets full left over. So, now, let me talk to you 
real quick about this. We have created a fund in our church, a new fund, F-U-N-D. Now, we're going to always be creating new fund, F-U-N. But we've created a new fund called the Giving Life Fund. Now, it's not anything extra. It's no more extra than what we've asked you to give before. Here's what we've done. Every year, we challenge you to give the bread of life. Y'all have heard of you use the phrase bread of life. Bread of life is our benevolence ministry where we help people who have lost their job or we help people who will call. We had a family call not long ago. A husband called. He said, I'm out of work. I cannot find a job right now. He said, and I got to tell you, man, we don't have any food. And those people don't go to our church. But we took care of them and we've stocked them with food. We can't, we can't, you know, we can't support somebody, but we can help, help them and give a helping hand. So bread of life is in the giving life fund. Giving life fund. Bread of life's in there. So when you make your pledge, consider that you will be giving to bread of life. The other thing that's in there is missions. Now, usually, we have what's called the offering fit for a king. We hit you in October for that, and then we come back around in March or April, and we hit you for missions. What we're going to do is combine all that into this fund. We're going to come to you one time a year for missions. Now, you saw those missionaries last weekend. You saw how real they are, how precious they are, how awesome they are. And guys, we, wanna, we don't want to do anything for missions. If we're going to do any different thing in missions, we want to change it in, in the upward direction. We're going to take care of our missionaries. Amen, amen? amen. We're going to take care of our missionaries. I've got an awesome missions director and missions board. They're doing a great job. So, so in the Giving Life Fund is Bread of Life. So when you make your pledge, you'll be pledging to Bread of Life. You'll be pledging to missions. And finally, you'll be pledging to the Building Fund. So that's what you're saying. When you say, I'm going to give this much per month to the Giving Life Fund, you're giving to the poor and the needy in our community. You're giving to missions that is done in our community, in America, and around the world. And you're giving to build this new building. So what you'll do next Sunday is you will bring this envelope filled out on the outside, one per family, one per family. And if you're single, you're a family, you're a household, so you singles pick up an envelope. There it went. And uh, what you'll do is you'll bring this envelope and you'll have inside of it your offering, your special offering. And on the outside, you will have filled out what the offering is on the inside and the pledge that you're going to give over the next three years to the Giving Life Fund. And then on the next weekend, we're going to have everybody just walk up here next week. We're going to have the big old table up here and a vase. For you fancy people, it'll be a vase. And you'll walk up here and you will, you will bring your offering next week. Now, we'll take up our regular tithes and offerings because we have to have that to function from week to week. But at the end, we're going to bring up our special offering. Okay? We're going to bring up our pledge. Now, let me say this to you. Three people, about three people are going to know what you did. And I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. I'm not going to know what you did. I'm not going to know what you gave. I'm not going to know if you gave or if you didn't give. I'm not going to know. There are only three people who know, and these people know strictly for recording purposes. So nobody's going to be down on you about this. I, I got to tell you something, man. The hardest thing in the world for me to do as a pastor is talk about money. It's hard because I know it's hard. I know it's, I, you know, it's an issue in my life. But guys, if we're going to do the things God has put in our heart to do, we've got to step up. We've got to step up a notch. And I know how things are right now. I know how they are right now. But I'm going to tell you, when I read the Bible, God shined brightest in the most difficult times. So I'm asking you to step up. That's the challenge. That's the word. Now let me tell you about a couple things coming up. Some of you are new to the church, and you, you want to know more about the church. December 9th is a very important date for you. That is next Sunday night, one week from today. Can you believe it? Today's, what's the day, October 1st? Wow. Time, today's October what? Seriously. 
Man, I'm tired. Okay, listen. <laughs> I don't know. I, calendars. Who needs them? Um, so October 9th is a Sunday night dinner with the staff. Notice the word dinner. <laughs> and we're going to tell you our vision, kind of tell you where we're going. If you've been coming to church here recently, you've been hearing a lot about that. But there's still some things we want to talk to you about and share with you. And uh, you can ask questions after the meeting is over. Our staff will be around. But dinner with the staff. And if you're ready to join the church and become an owner, you have to go to dinner with the staff. We don't talk about members here. Members pay dues. Owners make investments. Amen? So we, so we don't have members here at Whitley anymore. We have owners. Owners. You own the vision. This church, you own it. God has given it to you. It is yours uh, to use to obey him so that when you stand before him the last day, you say, God, this is what we did for our church, and this is what we did in our church and with our church, and God goes, well done. So we need owners. Now, if you come to the dinner with the staff, you don't have to join the church. As a matter of fact, you might come to dinner with the staff and know you shouldn't join this church. I don't know. But that's what we have it for. Why would anybody want to join a church and not really know very much about that church? I can't understand that. So, so dinner with the staff, but you need to call the office. We'll have child care for you, um, uh, zero through fifth grade, I think, something like that. Uh, just call the office. They'll give you all the details about that. It's absolutely free, no cost at all, October 9th. Now, let me tell you about another event, and that's this Wednesday. This coming Wednesday is a day of prayer and fasting for this church. So don't, don't take this and go, oh, I'm talking about money. You take this to God. And if God tells you not to do anything with it, then don't do anything with it. If God tells you Farrell Harris is just trying to get your money, Willie Church is trying to get your money, just like everybody else is trying to get your money, then don't you dare do anything with that. But I would ask you to pray about that. And Wednesday is a day set aside all day. This church will be open. The bridge will be open all day, but there will not be an evening service at the bridge. We will have our concluding service here where we will receive new members. We'll have baptisms. We're going to have communion. That's this Wednesday night. You know what I'd do if I had little kids on this? Is I'd bring those little kids in and I'd say, listen, God is just really blessing our church. And mom and dad are going to give so we can have a new building. And you kids are going to get a new kids church. And, and, and we're just going to pray and ask God. And teach, listen, listen to me, listen to me, church. Teach your children while they're little about giving to the church. Because a lot of us grew up in environments where we didn't get taught that. So when the church finally stood up and taught it, we were like, mm, mm. Talking about my money. It's amazing to me. People will let you preach on anything, but I can feel the tension when you say, cha-ching. <laughs> Holy Ghost filled, full of God, love the Bible, and, and they're just, oh, that's good preacher out there, and you go money, and they go, what did you say? <laughs> he said something about my money. So you pray about that, man. You do what God tells you to do, okay? But bring those kids in, and those kids will grow up knowing that the first person they pay is God. Now, here's what you've done when you've taught them that. You have released into them the blessings of God. You have released into them blessing that you probably didn't enjoy for a long time because maybe you fought that whole giving, tithing, generosity thing. But since you taught it to your babies when they were little, they grew up going, oh, yeah, shoot, man. First thing you do when you get paid, pay God. And see, you have just released into them the fullness of God's blessing in their life. Jesus had more to say about money than any other prophet or preacher because Jesus knew that where you had your money, that's where your heart was. Okay? All right, cool deal. Now, if you have any questions, um, I'll uh, hang around up here at the front. I'll be glad to answer those questions. But really, after church, we, we really need prayer up here in the altar. But, but uh, if you have any questions, you want to hang around long enough for me to pray for everybody, I'll, I'll answer any questions you have. Now, we got a little video, and you don't want to miss this video. You don't want to miss this video. I think you're going to see some things you recognize. And right after the video ends, uh, he's going to talk about going out and making history, and when he says that, service is over. You're dismissed at that time, okay? Watch this little video. 
question for you. Where are you from? Not where were you born, not your family tree, but where do you call home? You want to know where we're from? We're from Goldsboro and Smithfield and Selma and Micro. We've been flooded, blown over by tornadoes and hurricanes, but we're still standing. From a city of warriors with hearts of steel, from Adamsville and LaGrange and Rosewood, from Elroy and Princeton to Manalo, Fremont and Wilson. Playing like a champion, we run like rivers. Standing arm in arm because we ain't perfect and we desperately need each other. And we come together like a merging intersection on a country road. There is no separation from the farmer on his tractor to the freedom fighter in his jet. We are the American dream. We are survivors of an unexpected battle. Dreamers of the future. We're not defined by Wall Street and the media. We will work like the overcomers we are. We live our lives like the conquerors God made us to be. We're not scared, we're on the move. We're not afraid to bleed or sweat or cry or to draw the line in the sand for those who can't draw it for themselves. This is where we're from. This is who we are. These are our people. This is our family. These are our cities and communities. And this is our story. We don't keep the blinds shut. We don't stand in our living rooms behind closed doors. We are front porch people. We are life givers. We don't back down, retreat, fall back, or ignore the work that has to be done. And we don't simply take a stand. We press in. We move forward. We give life by giving Christ. We rise upward and we don't stop ever, period. We will always be busy lighting up the darkness until every child knows life, every family finds healing, every man knows his strength, every woman finds her peace, and every student and child discovers their purpose. We are the people of Whitley Church and the Bridge. These are our people. This is our family and our home. This is our story. Let the next chapter begin. We all have a part to play. The life Jesus Christ gives is in us and we will give it away every day. Find your place and let's make history.